Yeah, there you go. There I am. How is everybody doing today? It's good to see so many of you. It looks like we're coming out of the summer. We're staying below our self-imposed COVID limit, but I can see everybody's coming back. And my family included had a little bit of a vacation slash staycation this week. And it's good uh, to see you all in the house of the Lord. I want to start by doing something that has nothing to do with my sermon. I want to start by giving praise to God for a few things that we've been talking about and to pray for some people. How many of you remember recently, maybe three, two, three, four weeks ago, praying for a gentleman in Texas who had COVID and was on a respirator? Anybody remember that? And as you all know, it was dire because, you know, if you looked at the stats, once you're on a respirator with COVID, I think it's around 20 to 30 percent. Uh, survival rate. Well, I got a text last night from Rula. Uh, this member, this person is a member of her extended family, and this young man is off the respirator and communicating with his family. Amen. He even got to. Now, he's still in hospital, so we're going to pray for him, but he's able to FaceTime with his parents and talk with his parents, and uh, we're, we give thanks to God for that. Amen. And we're going to pray. Uh, it's funny that happened. Not funny, but I guess, uh, you know, a coincidence that as I found out that news, I had another prayer request come. And I, I can't say too much of it for privacy reasons. But needless to say, it's not anybody that anybody knows here, but it's connected to one person here. Uh, a young man who is gravely ill in another city uh, with a rare disease. OK. And um, again, it's one of these things where it's not COVID related. But it's one of these things where there's a lot of um, unknowns, and we want to pray for this young man. Amen? Because we believe that God can do miracles. Amen? I also want to pray for, I got another prayer request as we were getting ready today, for a a co-worker of Shally's. Her name is Mildred, and she's suffering terrible kidney stone pain. I don't know if any of you ever had kidney stones. My wife has had them. My father's had them. I've seen the pain that they were in, and I'm just glad it wasn't me. Uh, But we for sure want to pray for Mildred. Amen? So let's just stand up and pray. Forget about the sermon right now. We're going to pray for these two people and give thanks to God. This week? Okay, we're going to pray for Brianna. We all know Brianna. She's a member of this church, and she's going in for some following tests, okay? She's a young woman, and she's going for some tests this week related to all of the things going on for the health situation, okay? We're going to lift her up, amen? So first, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory for the healing we saw in Texas, Lord. We pray for that young man now, wherever he is right now in the hospital, Lord. We pray for a a continuation of the healing work you're doing in his life. Lord, we pray that he'll find himself out of hospital soon, Lord, fully recovered. We come against any lingering effects and long-term effects of COVID on his body, Lord. We pray for health and wholeness in his life, Lord. We pray for his family. We thank you for their faith, Lord. We pray you just bless them and bless him in Jesus' name. So, Lord, we move on from here knowing that you're a God who heals and a God who moves, and we lift up this young man that we don't know very well. We lift him up to you right now in this other city, Lord. Lord, he has a disease that the doctors say is exceedingly rare. Well, we know the Savior who is exceedingly and able to do abundantly more than we can hope and imagine. So, Lord, we pray for this young man right now. We lift him up to you. We pray that you'll heal him, Lord. Heal his, uh, Lord, the area of his body, Lord, that's being affected. We pray that things may be right in Jesus' name. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that his healing will be a testimony to your glory, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. We lift up Mildred to you, Lord, and her pain, Lord. We lift up Brianna and her test to you, Lord. We pray that your will will be done in all these situations. Give those doctors supernatural wisdom. May you have a healing in Mildred's life and in Brianna's life, Lord. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Just a reminder, folks, that it's always okay to pause whatever you're doing and pray for somebody else. Amen. It's far more important than anything I have to say. But I do want to continue, or maybe even conclude, I haven't decided yet, the series on overflowing. We've been talking about this this whole summer, about what it's like to live a life of the overflow. 
you know, um, again, to remind ourselves of the imagery of overflowing, I kind of tried to get some water in there to get you the idea that when something overflows, it fills up and it just spills over. And that's the type of life that God wants us to have. Now, I want you to be clear. I don't mean overflowing with happiness or overflowing with stuff. I mean a life of overflow in the love of God. Amen? That's the type of overflow we want. So today we're going to focus in on one idea that's been discussed quite a lot. And we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Put up that first verse for me there. This is the main verse, but we're going to read around the verse, okay? Uh, the verse before this says, From now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Paul had been talking about something else. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Here's the key verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. It goes on to say, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He committed us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen? That's the context. We're going to talk about some other verses, but this is sort of the crux of the matter today. Verse 17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone. Okay, in Christ. Okay, what does in Christ mean? Most simply, it means if anybody is, has, has, is a Christian. Now, I want, I, I, you know me, if you've seen me preach enough, I'm a bit of a stickler for language, okay? And if you grew up in church like I did, a lot of the times you've heard the line, accept Jesus Christ. I'm not too comfortable with that type of language anymore. You choose to follow Jesus Christ and uh, follow him and give your life to him, not accept him. It's almost like, oh, okay, Jesus, you're good enough for me. I accept you. I don't like that language anymore. So it's not if someone accepts Christ. If you've chosen, if you're making the dedication to follow Christ, you are in Christ. You're a Christian. So when someone becomes a Christian, it says, the new creation has come, the old has gone. Okay, so first we should probably ask ourselves, what's the new creation and what's the old? Anybody want to take a stab at what that might mean? The old is who and the old is what? One time you weren't Christian, now you are Christian. One time you weren't following Jesus Christ, now you are following Jesus Christ if you're in that situation. Do you remember what was old about you and what is new? Now, I'm not even, if you're not a Christian here this morning, or you're not too sure, or you're struggling, I'm not even asking you, don't worry, you're off the hook. I should have about 80 people right now responding to me because you see what happens, even as Christians, we almost forget what happened to you. What was old? What is new? Someone, I heard someone say, the old man. It's nice to say, sounds poetic. What is the old man? Well, I hate to take it to you, you're still a sinner. But you're a sinner saved by grace. It's the old ways, the old me, the old habits, the old self. Going back to it a second. The old ways, the old habits, and what's the magic word, people, that no one has said yet? Nobody has said the key word yet. What are you putting aside? Maybe somebody said it and I didn't hear it, so forgive me. Self. 
Another magic S word. Sin. You see? I don't know how it became so accustomed in church to never talk about it, but we still haven't said the one word. We put aside the old self, which is born in sin. Oh, I don't want you to talk about sin. Sin's not comfortable. Of course sin's not comfortable, because sin is self. Sin is us, and we don't like to talk about that. You know the old, uh, that old adage everybody says, when you point a finger at somebody else, you're, there's four pointing back at you, or three actually pointing back at you, all that stuff. You know, it's talking about the old self isn't always comfortable. Because when you become a Christian, when you choose to follow Jesus Christ, you put away the old ways. Really what you're saying is, now, I'm not the one in charge of everything I'm doing. I'm not the one dictating the course of my uh, life. I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. I am following Jesus Christ. And so that old self is replaced with a new creation. Okay, what is that new creation? Anybody want to take a stab at that one? This is interactive church, folks. Anybody want to take a, a, a stab? Are we now made perfect? God makes our self now perfect, and now we just walk into that? Is that what happens? Only my mother said no. I'm very concerned. Uh, what happens? With the, who is the new self? What is the new creation? What happens? The Spirit of God himself comes in and replaces Think of it like Carrie Underwood told us, Jesus, take the wheel. Okay? We're still in the car. We're just in the passenger seat. Okay? We're still sitting at the table, but Jesus is at the head of the table. Okay? Because he paid the bill. That's a whole other thing. That sounds like a really raucous sermon. I could get into that. Okay? Um, now, it goes on to say this. Because verse 13 tells us, it is from God, not man, this whole transaction, this whole thing, this whole event. From God, not man. It is God who initiates the action. This is really great news for everyone. You see, I said, well, when you come to follow Jesus Christ, oh, I'm choosing to follow Christ, I'm starting. If you didn't start it, you're responding to what he already started, what he already initiated. He is not above in heaven or the sky or whatever you imagine, waiting for you to do something to please him before he offers you this new creation. He has and is taking action. The Bible tells us he's actually always calling out to us, always looking for us, always seeking and knocking and, 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 and trying to get through to us. He has and is taking action. In, in, now, this is important because... He does that even though we caused the broken relationship. You're going to learn a bit about the word reconciliation in a second. So there's a reconciliation that needs to take place because humanity broke the relationship. Not him. Though he initiates, creates, and causes, and brings the reconciliation. Okay? That should be really freeing news for everybody. Even though we started the fight, and we started the problem... He comes and he fixes it. And he initiates the fix. And he provides all the things needed to initiate that fix and to bring that fix to a whole. So what is reconciliation? By definition, the Bible tells us here, God reconciled to us to himself through Jesus Christ. 
Okay? What is reconciled? I realize sometimes we use words like that and we don't even know what they mean. Okay? Reconciliation in this sense means to bring into agreement or into harmony. Okay? To make compatible or consistent with each other. So what this is basically saying is that God, through Jesus Christ, made a relationship with God possible again to bring us into harmony with God again. You know, you ever heard a bad harmony in singing? I'm not a very good singer, so I won't torture you. But you know, if you hear a bad harmony, you, you can tell, you know? It's really bad. Usually the person touches their ear like this, and you know, uh-oh, they're not going to be able to sing. And, and, and then they, start, and they, they can't harmonize. I, Whatever. Or you could have a thousand people singing really well in harmony, but one person's off and you're like, you ever had that? And you're like, what? What's going on? It's because one person is in discord with everything going on and you know that there's a problem. Okay? So we, we, we don't want to be like that. We want to be in harmony with God. So he initiates this reconciliation. It's important too. Christians, that you don't miss what it says here. All this is from God who reconciled this himself through Jesus. So what Jesus did, and that, well, of course, you might say, well, what did Jesus do? Well, he just existed? No. Jesus, his death and resurrection, the cross of Calvary and his, his subsequent resurrection is the thing that brought us peace. The Bible tells us by his stripes we are healed. The Bible tells us, you know, by his blood we have redemption through the shedding of his blood. These are, these are sayings that we say all the time, but what it means is that by Jesus' death and resurrection, we can, have, we can be reconciled to God. We are brought back into harmony with God. Even though we broke it, even though we have that sinful nature, He comes and He reconciles us and gives us the new creation, gives us His Spirit. The old is gone, and now we are reconciled. Now, it's important, Christians, if you're a Christian here today, it says here, Paul is telling him, He reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So now you're a Christian. If you're a Christian here this morning, oh, great, I'm reconciled. I'm good. I'm in harmony with God. Oh, okay. I'm in harmony with God, and then I'm just going to go be in harmony by myself. No! completely wrong. Now your ministry, your job, is to go bring other people into harmony, reconciliation with God. And how did God bring us into reconciliation? By sacrifice, by love. Okay? And I'm going to take a pause here, Christians. So your way to bring the world into reconciliation and rightness with God is not to be a jerk is not to go and bring disunity and disharmony into the world. That is not what we're here for. We're here to reconcile the world back to God and show them the same way Jesus did. Jesus was sacrificial. Jesus was loving, even up to the point of giving his life. Amen? I won't get too much into that rabbit hole because I could talk a half hour about how Christians are acting pretty stupid these days. Okay? We're not going to get into that, but I think you all know where I'm going with that. Okay? Verse 19 tells us that God, not counting the sins of people against them, he committed to us the message of reconciliation. I want to just bring this up to just remind people here this morning, even though it's deserved, Jesus doesn't weigh the balance. You might be here this morning and you, you don't have a faith in God or you're struggling with your faith in God. You need to get your cartoon idea of God out of your head. And I'm not blaming you. It may have been a church that put that idea in your head or some YouTube ministry or some preacher or whatever that put you on the idea that God is some sort of God that has a balance up in heaven. 
Okay, and he's just weighing everything you do. Oh, you were nice to this morning. Good. You know, oh, you tipped your driver this morning. Good. Uh-oh, you got mad at your boss. Bad. You know, uh-oh, you did this. Bad. And then, and then every day, you drag yourself through every day because you're just measuring yourself. Uh, that is not Christianity. That is not God. God's not up there. Does God know that we sin? Yes. Does God like sin? No. He has no limit. He has no time for it at all. But he's not up there going, hmm, hmm. Uh, mm, uh, mm, mm. He doesn't do that. I want you if, you, if you, I know there are Christians like that because I talk to you. If you're living your day like that and then and you feel like, listen, it's good to have conviction. Okay? You're out there, you do something, you sin, and you're like, oof, that was not good. Right? Like, I should not be doing that. Sorry, Lord, you know, I repent of that. Whatever. That's a good attitude to take. But if your existence is constantly feeling like God is hovering over you, counting every little detail, and then weighing the balance day by day, and that's how you live your life, you are not reconciled to God. You don't have the new creation in you. I encourage you, if you're a Christian even this morning and you think like that, you need to... Uh, maybe you're French, and I'm telling you that. You need to, you need to get rid of that feeling. This morning, that is not God. And if you're not a Christian this morning, understand that, yes, God has no tolerance for sin, and he wants you to put it aside, but he's not up there with a ledger sheet making every little detail, everything down, and watching you like that. Okay, that's not what he's doing. He's trying to reconcile yourself to him. He wants to reconcile you to God through Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning heavy or clouded, Okay, but that, and you may even be listening. You might be sitting, yeah, but Richard, you don't understand. Here's the things I'm doing. I did this and I did this and I did that. As soon as you start listening, that's not God's voice. Okay, that's not God's voice. You know, I'll just tell you from my own personal experience. Very often when there's a sin in your life, God comes to you. I must find that God's very like, come on. You know. You know what it is. Deal with it. I say, yeah, Lord, I acknowledge. I look at it. I see it. It's wrong. I put it aside. I'm sorry. I repent. Help me, Lord, to live right. And it's done. You know? Very rare that it's, it's different from that. Okay? So God doesn't count as sins. So then in verse 20, uh, we read here, it goes, We are Christ's ambassadors. If you're a Christian, you're Christ's ambassadors. Now, Bernard's not here this morning because I was going to use him as a good example, but he's been an ambassador. Who, anybody ever been an ambassador for anything, for a brand or for anything? Or you gone on a school trip. Remember when you were in school? and you, I went to a private school. We wore uniforms and stuff like that. And once upon a time, we went to Yale University. You know Yale University? We had a rugby tournament there. We were all, imagine this, a, a team of 21 17-year-old boys going to the Yale University campus to go play in a rugby tournament with about 20 other rugby teams of, seven, of 21 to 17-year-old boys all on the campus of one of the most famous universities in the world. And of course, you get that speech, don't you, before you go down. Now remember, boys, you represent the school. You will be wearing your uniform at all times. You will behave like this, you'll behave like that. Yes, sir. And when we got there, we had fun. We did, a, we did a lot of things. Okay, Nothing illegal, well, maybe, maybe a little bit, but nothing too bad. Okay, And we didn't exactly represent the school in the best light. Now, that might be like, oh, shenanigans, 17-year-old, but when it comes to being Christ's ambassador, there's nothing funny about it. We are, whether you like it or not, if you're out there saying, I'm a Christian, you're wearing a cloak and you're saying, I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You ever met a Mormon? They all have that thing there. You know right away who they are. They show you who they are. Brother so-and-so, they're an ambassador for their church. 
Okay? If you're a Christian and you're saying I'm Christ's ambassador, you better behave like a good ambassador. Okay? Because if you're out there in the street, in work, wherever, in your house, and you're Christ's ambassador and you're not representing him properly, you're not representing yourself, you're, you're making Jesus look bad. Okay? And that can hurt. How many of you have ever made Jesus look bad? I'll put up my hand. I've done it. I've done it. Okay, okay, three people are willing to admit it. Me, John. Okay, good. We've all, bottom line is you've all done it. Okay? But you don't go, well, I'm horrible. I'm never going to try again. Nah. You get up and you get back at it. Okay? We are Christ's ambassadors. And what are we ambassading? What are we representing? I just made that word up, by the way. It's not a real word. What are we showing? We are ambassadors for the ministry of reconciliation. Okay? We are saying that, hey, I represent Jesus, and this is our message. And it says, God is making the appeal through us. So he goes on to say, we implore you on Christ's behalf, on Jesus' behalf, be reconciled to God. So the same message this morning, I as a preacher, wherever you are, online, in person, hearing this years from now, I implore you, be reconciled to God. Follow Jesus Christ. What does implore mean? Implore is like, please, I'm urging you, almost begging you, be reconciled to God. Because God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. What he's saying is Jesus went to the cross, paid the penalty for our sin that we might have reconciliation with God. Amen? That's the story of Jesus Christ. That's where your life of overflow comes from. And you say, well, how do I do this? What do I do? Maybe you're, you're, you're backsliding today. Maybe you've been away for a long time. Maybe you've never believed in Jesus. Maybe you're finding yourself in a struggling uh, position this morning. Let's look at Romans 10. Very well-known scripture if you've been reading your Bible for a few years. I think I have it up there, Margaret, if I do put it up there. Uh, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believed and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Does this sound terribly complicated? Yes or no? I don't think so. Now, I'll be honest with you, we tend to overcomplicate it. And the longer you're in the church, the longer you're serving the Lord, sometimes you can overcomplicate it. I could get in a room with a few of my buddies, and we could probably talk about the scripture for four or five hours and over-spiritualize over it, over-theologicalize it, over-complicate it, and go back and forth. But really, here's what Paul is saying. If you say out loud... Jesus is Lord, and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Point for now. Okay? And people will start saying, yeah, but you've got to add this and you've got to add that. Can you stop with the complications? Let's just start here. Okay? If you believe, you declare it with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Yes, I believe that Jesus is who you're saying is. I believe that he was God's son, that he went to the cross and he died. And the third day he rose again and by his stripes I'm healed and by his blood I have forgiveness of sins. I believe that and you believe it in your heart. Now, let's, we talk about this a lot. You know when I'm preaching about believing in your heart. Okay? Believing is different than knowing. Whoa, don't be like that. Are you scientifically ignorant? No. Let me explain. On Friday, I had zero belief that the Canadians would beat the Flyers. <laughs> I pretty much knew they were going to lose. I hoped 
they would win. I didn't believe it. But even if I had believed it, that wouldn't have made them win. My belief meant nothing. I also definitely could not know it. That's for sure. You know, people who like bet or whatever, I guess they, they try to hedge their bets and know as much as they can. You can't know it. But what, you know what it is to believe something. Okay? Who here has ever believed something and then found out later it wasn't true? Okay? It happens. Okay? You know the difference between believing and knowing. The difference with Jesus Christ is when you believe, then you know. Okay? And the problem with the world is the world wants to know before they believe. How many times have you heard, well, Jesus just showed up and said, I am here, I'm real. Well, then I would believe. Well, then there's no belief. Because you only believe because you saw. You see? So you know what I mean by belief. So if you believe, yeah, this is true, guess what? Then you see. Do I mean Jesus himself physically will come and say, hey, how's it going? I don't know. It's happened for a few people apparently. Okay? But that's not the issue. The issue is when you believe, then you know. And we've been trained by our system, even by our, our own lives, our educational system and everything else, that we have to know before we believe. Unfortunately, that's just not the way it works. Give me a second. So, this morning, if you're running, I don't know if I'm a Christian, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian, well, here's what you have to do. Say it and believe it. And then you're choosing to follow Jesus Christ. Then you are a Christian. Declare it. Just say it. You know, there's some, I was um, reading uh, something I you guys don't know who Beth Moore is. She's a Christian preacher, writer, author, whatever. And uh, she said this about trusting your life to Jesus Christ. She said, if you're in Christ, remember we said those who are in Christ are a new creation, the old is gone. She goes, if you're in Christ, you have access to approach the one who actually is in charge. Okay? Actually is in charge. And again, without going down the rabbit hole, Folks, in today's world, no matter how much you love politician X, they are not in charge. If for but a season, they are. Okay? No matter what philosophy or economic structure you prefer or military you put your trust in, none of them are in charge. He actually is. Who actually cannot lie. Secret, everybody else does. Who has, actually has all knowledge? Oh, I preached about this last time. I'm going to give you another pastoral warning now. Anybody who claims to have secret knowledge from God that nobody else has, they are liars. I cannot tell you how many times I'm going to say this. Folks, I have friends all over the world, preachers and pastors and whatever, and we talk to each other regularly and we find out, oh, we're kind of preaching about the same thing. We're kind of saying the same thing. Why? Because God reveals his truth to all his children. He doesn't tell one random American or Chinese person or one random Australian and then they get to tell the rest of the church. That's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. It's not okay. If God wants the world to know something, he will tell many of his children, not a select few that have special revelation. In the Bible, Paul attacks these people constantly. They're called Gnostics in the Bible, and today they're just called Christians, unfortunately. 
There are many, many of them, and they're trying to lead people away. Well, you're not really Christian unless you do this special thing, and you don't know whatever, and this, and, that, and then with this. I, I, I've told you guys, I'm 42 years old. 42 years old. And every five years, somebody's sure they know how the world's going to end. Every five years. I mean, you only have to be around. I remember in 1988, 10 years old, standing outside the church in the church I grew up in, and there was a guy there, 88 reason the Lord is coming in 88. Remember that guy with the book outside of church? Okay? And, and there's people in the church, oh, we got to pray, we got to get ready, and blah, 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 blah. And I was 10, I was like, this guy's an idiot. Right? Actually, I remember my friend and I, Joel, who's now a pastor, we took a bunch of books, <laughs> we took them. I don't know my parents even know this. And then we ripped them all up and we buried them in the forest. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, actually, right there. I buried them. You know the forest that's there? We buried them in there. Um, long, good memories. Uh, but what I'm saying is the point I'm getting at is nobody has special knowledge. God does not reveal something special to somebody else that he hasn't told his other children. Please. You might not have known something before, but it's not brand new. Nobody in 2020 is going to discover something brand new. Oh, I read a chapter in Habakkuk, and now I know that Madagascar is this, you know, I'm making one up, but I, I, could, any, we could, I just named that up as a random country. That's where the Antichrist is going to come from, because they're mad, right? And gas and petrol, and gas is like, you know, everybody needs gas, right? And then whatever, and there's rare animals there. So the Lord, I could, see, I could make up a whole thing about that, have a YouTube page with 10,000 followers, and you don't, don't get messed up in that stuff. Follow the one who cannot lie, who actually has all knowledge, who actually commands time, who actually knows your name and knows your need. <laughs> can I say something about this? Um, I mean this sincerely. I care about everybody in this room. I know almost all of you by name, maybe a couple of exceptions, new people. I know all of you by name, and I do care about you, okay? But there's no way I can ever care about you as much as the Lord cares about you, okay? And I don't want to put down any politician or anybody working hard. Man, they work hard. They do their work. They worked hard through COVID and all that stuff. But they don't, like, to say they care about you personally it's a bit of a stretch, right? I think they care generally about everybody. Nobody wants anybody to die, I hope. But God actually cares about you. Not all of us. He cares about you. And that's a big difference. So when you choose to follow Jesus, when you choose to be reconciled to God, that's what you're signing up for. Colossians 3 tells us this. Um, uh, I, I give her context. Colossians 3, 9 to 11 says, Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. Ooh, you hear that? See, when we take off our old self and its old practices, we don't lie to each other. We've put on the new self. Now listen to this, Colossians 3, verse 9, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Okay? So the way I wrote this down, it's like a renewable energy source every day. The Bible tells us his mercies are new every morning. In the same way, your new self, the new creation, is renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Who is that? God. So the new creation constantly being renewed. It's not like a suit you put on and then it frays over time. You know, how many of your parents have had a couple of kids and then you tried to put on a Halloween costume that kid one wore two years later on the kid later, right? Of course, what happens is it's a little bit ratty, right? And then, of course, whatever was popular two years ago is not popular anymore, so now your kid's not cool because they're wearing an out-of-date costume, 
you know? Or you've ever done like, oh, you had a baby, a beautiful baby baptism dress, but then you waited a while to have kids, and then you had your second kid, and you go to put your kid in that one, and you realize this is really out of fashion, it's out of style, right? Because it's not being, it's not renewed. Imagine a, a, something like that that would renew itself and keep up with the times and keep up with the fashion and keep up with the look. Well, that's what it's like when you're reconciled to God and living in the new creation. Your, your, your new self is being renewed. Renewed how? Not by your efforts, not by your goodness, not by your wisdom, but by the knowledge that it's made, knowledge of its creator and it's made by his creator. God started it, God caused it, and he will sustain it, and he'll close it out. Okay, so we just have to walk with him. We can be confident. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 18. It says, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. How many of you feel like that sometimes? You know? I told you about a month and a half ago, I pulled my groin playing hockey, and it has not healed. Okay, did I stop playing? No. Did it slow me down? No, but it hasn't healed at all. And my body's just telling me, outwardly, you're wasting away. Okay, it's just a reality. Okay, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Go back to Colossians, we said before, renewed what? By the knowledge of the one who made us. For our light, for our light, <laughs> I love this, listen to this, I want you to capture this. He, Paul is saying, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, how many of you have whined about life under COVID? Okay? Well, let me tell you, life under COVID is definitely light and momentary troubles compared... Paul is talking about light and momentary troubles, and he had been shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, imprisoned, uh, attacked, lied about, tried to kill him, and he's like, these light and momentary troubles. And some people are like, I have to wear a mask! Sorry, come on. Has it been fun? No. Do I like it? No. But what we're going through now is just not much. And anything that is actual problems, God is using for helping us achieve an eternal glory that awaits them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Remember going back to the first verse. Him who made, uh, who, he made him who was... Uh, had no sin, sin, that we might have reconciliation. So we fix our eyes, not what it is seen, but is unseen. Since what is temporary, uh, but what is, sorry, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen? It might be understandable to lose heart right now. You know, we seem like we're coming out of a bit, and then somebody will release a statement like the World Health Organization and be like, well, it'll be two to five years before we're through all this. And then you read that and you're like, you know, like really two to five years. The the truth is they don't know. Okay, They're just uh, giving the worst case scenario. Anybody that's had a a child or a person in hospital knows that doctors don't tell you. They will tell you the worst possible outcome of everything because what they're doing is they're mentally preparing you for the worst. Right. And then anything that's better is just bonus. Right? It's like um, Val will tell you that I do that all the time. Before any hockey game, I go, ah, the Habs are probably going to lose. That way, if they win, yeah, they won. If I think they're going to win, then I feel worse about it when they lose. Right? It's the same way. Right? So in this way, it might be understandable to lose heart right now. So much going on, you know, and it's tough. Who's got kids? You know, kids going back to school. What day are they going back? Val and I had to do some conference call about that. And who are they going to do? And who's going to wear masks? And how are the teachers going to stay safe? And Bob, there's a lot of stuff going on. Okay? But... If we keep our eyes on Jesus and the one who reconciled us to himself, 
we can go through these things. Amen? Not just, again, not drag through and barely survive. I'm not asking you to do that. Okay? You come out the other end, you're battered and bruised and beaten, and you're like, whatever. You can come through in victory. If Paul and the New Testament Christians could go through actual persecution, death and dismemberment and stoning and everything else, and come through it in victory, we can do that now. Amen? Anybody actually agree with me? Anybody agree with me? Okay, then if you agree with me, I'm going to ask you to stand. First of all, I want to encourage anybody this morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ, if you're not following Jesus Christ, if you haven't made a commitment to his life, to him to, with your life, then maybe today's the day. I implore you, okay, as Paul did. If you're maybe a Christian here this morning, but you've been backsliding, you know what that means. You've been, you haven't really been living it. Maybe you haven't really been following it. I have a feeling that if you're like that today, you've been, you've been thinking of this list that I told you. Not, get rid of that list this morning. And I encourage you to give your life to Jesus Christ today, to follow Jesus Christ today. He, Father God, reconciled us to himself with Jesus Christ. So I, I just encourage you. And you know, well, how do I do that, Pastor? We already read it. Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart, and you will be saved. Oh, it can't be that easy. 100% is that easy. Then we come alongside you and equip you and work with you and what we call disciple you. That means help you learn. Amen? Uh, what to do. And if you're a Christian this morning and you found, uh, you know, maybe you're encouraged or maybe you're discouraged in this time, remember that God is renewing daily in us this new creation. You can have strength. You can have this renewable energy source of the Holy Spirit in you every single day to overcome whatever might happen. The, 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 the light and momentary troubles that could be just about anything in your life. Amen? Because remember, our key verse for this whole thing, can you put it up there, the Romans one, please? Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Stop there for a second. So this morning, if you're making maybe a first time or a recommittal of your life to God and you're putting your trust in him again, know that God will fill you with all joy and peace when you trust in him. It doesn't mean everything goes away. It doesn't mean all your troubles stop, but you can face them in all joy and all peace, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, that now when you accept, excuse me, when you follow Jesus Christ and you live for Jesus Christ, he lives within you. Amen? He is the new creation. He makes you a new creation, excuse me, when you uh, learn to follow him and live for him. Amen? So 